Our first scripture reading this morning is from the 13th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, beginning on page 213 in the New Testament of your Pew Bible. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured, as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Act to follow. Well, thank you for that. Um, we are in the Gospel of Luke, still 14th chapter. Um, when the 
musician outclasses you, lean heavy into the gospel. 14th chapter, verse 1, and then we'll jump down to verse 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose places of honor, he told a parable. When you are invited, when you're invited by somebody to a wedding banquet, do not sit down in the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, <clears throat> you're sitting in his seat. Give this person your place. Then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go sit down in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or relatives or rich neighbors. In case they may invite you in return, then you would be repaid. But when you have a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the gospel of the Lord. Uh, join your hearts in prayer with me. When we come to your gospel, O Lord, these words wash over us with unfamiliarity because it's a way of looking at the world that is not the way the world looks at itself. Help us to hear your word, for you have the words of eternal life. And may that which is not of your word be quickly cast aside and forgotten so we may glorify Christ. Amen. The last time that I saw Rob, he was in line for the congregant meal program at 721 North LaSalle. The dinnertime guests would begin lining up on weekdays as early as 3.30 for the 5 o'clock meal. Places in line were precious because those who arrived early enough to go in at 5 o'clock would be greeted and seated as guests in Vincent Hall of Catholic Charities where there was white linens, real silverware, a decent three-course meal, and more often than not, live music. Now those who were not close enough to the front of the line to be included in that weekday meal were never turned away hungry. A local Subway franchise owner provided enough boxed meals for those in the back of the line to receive a six-inch sub, uh, some chips, a cookie, and a bottle of water, uh, an apple, and an orange, uh, or sometimes juice. The Subway owner of the franchise himself delivered the meals. Coming early to count how many people were in line to estimate how many extra overflowed meals he needed to prepare, paying his own staff to prepare these meals every weekday evening. 
The subway owner was not the only generous restaurateur in the area. Desserts for the dining room were frequently provided by area dining establishments that would make an amazing rice pudding or a gorgeous cake so that they could eat well. The Catholic Charities of Chicago Congregant Meal Program, which provided this sit-down dinner for about 100 guests each and every weekday, ran in many ways in spite of the leadership of Catholic Charities, not because of it. The program was founded in the 1960s by Father Roger Coughlin, an associate administrator of Catholic Charities, where he had served for nearly four decades. Born in Chicago, Father Coughlin graduated from Little Flower School and then attended Archbishop Quigley Preparatory Seminary and then the University of St. Mary of the Lake Mundelein Seminary. He studied psychology and counseling at Loyola University and earned his master's degree at the Social Service Administration Department to the University of Chicago. Roger Coughlin was ordained in 1951 and served as associate pastor of Our Lady of the Angels Parish until 1956, where he began his long career with Catholic Charities and included, during his first 16 years, serving as chaplain to the Little Sisters and Staff and Residence of St. Vincent's Hospital, an infant home that was located where Catholic Charities headquarters are now at 721 North LaSalle. He initiated and was identified with many programs throughout his career, including an adoptive parents club, Head Start programs, a Cuban refugee program in the 1960s, a Vietnamese refugee service center in the 1970s. He oversaw the organization of over 200 senior citizen clubs and parishes throughout the Archdiocese of Chicago. Father Coughlin died at St. Joseph Hospital on the 15th of April, 2010, of congestive heart failure at the age of 84 years old. At the time of his death, he was still living at St. Vincent Center, 721 North LaSalle. When you walk back now, you don't know that for years there were priests that lived up on the sixth floor in small rooms with congregate washrooms and shower facilities, and he was one of the last remaining priests who was permitted to live there until the end of his days. As each resident passed, they would turn their former living area into administrative offices. And so you'd walk down the hallway on the sixth floor and you'd see Father Coughlin going off to the bathroom in his bathrobe and think, well, that's a little odd. And he'd give you a wry smile and continue on his way. To my knowledge, uh, there are currently no more clergy living at 721 North LaSalle, much to the gratitude of the administrators of Catholic Charities of Chicago. I say Father Coughlin's meal program operated in spite of Catholic Charities because the program was generally started by this renegade priest as an act of spite. He was an old-school, scrappy Catholic priest. He operated under the naive assumption that the church was supposed to help people. On several occasions, he brought the idea of a congregate meal program to the board of Catholic Charities, and he was always brushed off and told to find a supporting parish in a poor neighborhood to sponsor his idea.
After all, 721 Northwest South Street is just a few blocks off of the then up-and-coming magnificent mile. And the thought of street people queuing up in front of their prestigious address caused many of the well-heeled donors to bristle. But Father Coughlin was persistent. He went out and bought a large electric roaster, the kind that my mom used to roast the Thanksgiving turkey in so that the oven could be left for other side dishes. And in that, he would make chili or stew or a hearty soup. And he would put an extension cord from his first floor office out the window and set up on a card table with disposable utensils and begin to ladle the hot meal of the evening to whomever wandered past. He approached local grocery stores for day-old bread, and more than once, Coughlin's own colleagues called the police on him to shut him down, charging those in line with loitering and ticketing him for street vending without a license, Interestingly enough, there was no mention of Father Coughlin's arrests in his obituary in the Chicago Catholic. They'd shut him down, they'd seize his roaster and extension cord, but no problem. He'd merely buy another one, or another one would be donated, and he would move his feeding program outside the very next day. Finally, out of sheer exhaustion, the Cedar Administration of Catholic Charities agreed that it would be less visible if he were to move his operation inside. He was permitted the use of the kitchen and Vincent Hall for his evening dinners. Knowing his program risked complete domestication and possible elimination, Father Coughlin realized he could ensure the endurance of the program through good old-fashioned shame. Enlisting other congregations in the area, Coughlin connected with Holy Name Cathedral, St. James Episcopal Cathedral, the uh, Methodist Temple, and Fourth Presbyterian Church, each taking one of the five nights to cover the work and expense of a meal for his guests. This worked magnificently because whenever the Catholic Charities Board would even hint that they were going to close down the congregate meal program, all of these other Protestant parishes would say, oh my, you can't do that. You're doing so much good. And Father Coughlin would smile that his guests deserve the best. He would regularly in the evenings go to Chicago area hotels and fine dining establishments and approach the live musician there, the, the, the pianist, the, the, the strolling violinist, and say, I'd like you to volunteer at a special banquet that I'm giving at Catholic Charities. And they would arrive, and there were all of his homeless guests, and he would have them play. And before they were done, he would say, of course, you're not going to take an honoraria for this, right? And so they would go from Catholic Charities, Vincent Hall, and then to like Spiaggia, where they would play for tips after they'd played the same program for free. Sadly, now post-COVID, the program only serves meals on Tuesday nights. But for over 50 years, guests arrived and were treated with dignity. Funding for the meal program was always a problem. Catholic Charities Administration did not like programs that didn't have their own fundraising component or some private or public grant fund to underwrite the expense. 
And so in the late 1990s, some of the regular volunteers came up with a great idea. They would start a photography program for their dinner guests. And those who were interested in artistic expression were gifted a camera. They collected used camera equipment. Somebody who repaired cameras was one of the volunteers. And those who wanted to do photography received a camera along with film, along with several post-dinner nights of education on how to use then 35 millimeter cameras, learning about f-stops and depth of field and shutter speed. And then they were turned loose with free film into their lives. After a couple of months went by and they learned how to adjust the photos and to be able to mat them and to be able to present them, there was an art show. Vincent Hall was turned into a beautiful gallery and each of the participants in the photography program was given a fine set of clothes and a space to hang their photographs and people wandered through and there were hors d'oeuvres and champagne and a string quartet. As the show went on each one of the pictures could be sold by the photographer to anyone who came for $100. $50 went to the congregate meal program. And at the end of the evening, initially in cash, but later in debit cards, the photographer received $50 for each photograph sold. Most of them went to their homeless lives with several hundred dollars they did not have before and the congregate meal program became self-supporting my wife Danny worked in the building senior care on the fifth floor and one gallery night I joined her downtown and we were taken by a black and white photograph of Lincoln Park the fog was just rising off of the lake and the trees were jet black against the clouded sky and it was beautiful and the photographer Nick talked us through where the picture was taken what his f-stop was why he chose this particular angle and moment and picked out details that were in the misty fog we bought it and it to this day hangs in our dining room as a prized possession not a few days later, Danny learned that Nick had begun to cough up blood and he died at County Hospital. In his passing, we did not mourn the loss of another homeless guy. We mourned the loss of a photographer. It was sad. But oh, so normal. The author of a series of Christian lectures to a group known only as the Hebrews wraps up his winding theological treatise with a series of simple instructions on how to live a good Christian life. Keep showing mutual affection, he says, focusing on the church's internal harmony. But then looking outward, he writes, with the imperative do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 
No doubt the author was recalling Jesus' own words to the Pharisees hosting a dinner party. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers and sisters or relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you back in return and you'd be repaid. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Yesterday was Danny's birthday. I made steak oster with Brussels sprouts and baked potatoes and salad with blue cheese dressing. She's on a one-week-off chemo break, and so champagne was uh, on the list of things that she could consume. Her little sister Darcy came, and they sat on the deck laughing and catching up while I finished dinner prep. After her sister left, Annie said that her birthday was wonderful. For a few hours, she didn't have cancer. It felt normal. I think that's the secret. That's what I think is the core of this whole hospitality thing. Inviting people into a space where whatever their problems may be, whatever struggle they are going through, it evaporates at the banquet. Homeless guys selling photographs, the sound of strolling violins, bowls of hot chili on a cold Chicago night, laughter, dignity, peace. I started by telling you that the last time I saw Rob, he was in line for the congregant meal program at Catholic Charities. I had just parked next to the line that always snaked down Huron Street. The keepers of the building did not permit them to queue up in front on LaSalle Street. Rob jumped out of line seeing me and shouted, Pastor John! Pastor John! His bony arms wrapped around me as we cried and he kissed my cheeks and I returned the hug and choked up a bit at this wondrous reunion. It all felt so normal. Never mind me in a suit picking up Danny, we were dating then, and he in dirty jeans, gaunt and shaky, still struggling with his heroin addiction. I missed him, and he missed me. I knew Rob from First Lutheran Church of the Trinity in Bridgeport where I preached once a month for several years, located at 31st and Union. It was an odd mix of German immigrants, pious folk from Chinatown, and others who would gather, including many, many street people, Latinx residents who came to a Lutheran church not knowing the difference between Lutheran and Catholic. They thought they were going to Mass. And they would seal that as I would greet them on their way out and they would kiss my ring. My Spanish wasn't good enough and their English wasn't good enough for it to be corrected. All they knew was is that they had received the Eucharist. They'd all come to church on Sunday. Things, frankly, could not be more normal. Rob, whose addiction started, I believe, as self-medication for his mental illness, would come and sit about ten rows back on the pulpit side of the sanctuary plucking imaginary bugs from the air during the opening of the service. And then we'd come to the gospel and the sermon and he'd sit on the edge of his pew almost unblinking 
Following the sermon, he would come forward for Eucharist, calm as any other communicant. He'd receive the bread and the wine and return to his pew and bow his head in relaxed, silent prayer. I'll never forget Rob. As he gave me the greatest, most humbling compliment I have ever received. Shaking hands in the narthex with Rob one Sunday with tears in his eyes, he told me that while I was preaching, the voices in his head were gone. Silenced. And through the sermon and through the Eucharist, he was calm, not troubled, you might say, normal. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. God bless you, Rob, by angel, wherever you may be. Amen. Let us stand and join in affirming our faith in the words of the ancient Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. Before this podcast disappears from your news feed and goes the way of all of the programs you've listened to, I wanted to take this opportunity to request your help. This podcast is provided by the First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange, and if you'd like to be able to hear the full service, you can do so on the worship tab of our website, fpclg.org. Find the worship tab, and then you will see recent sermons as one of the options. From there, you can listen to the entire service with music and prayers included. But this particular podcast ministry would very much benefit from your support. Go back to that same website, fpclg.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and see where you can click on a Contributions tab. When you go to that page, it'll allow you to specifically designate your contribution to this podcast ministry. What are we asking? Well, we're asking whatever you can share with us. It's not an expensive thing to do, but as you know, promotional work, technical equipment, 
All of these things require resources, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to help. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Why don't you invite a friend to subscribe to the FBCLG podcasts uh, as soon as you're done listening? Maybe invite two friends. And as I sign off, remember that every great podcast has a catchy closing phrase.